The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in the wonderful city of Chicago, Illinois. At Christ Universal Temple, the Reverend uh, Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the uh, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I'm in the midst of teaching a series right now titled The Miracle of Tithing, and it's based upon a book of the same title by Mark Victor Hansen. Many people know Mark Victor Hansen from the Chicken Soup of the Soul books. And he obviously is well known for his success. One of the things that he's not as well known for, at least in the public setting, is that he is a massive tither. Uh, He has been practicing this um, system of giving for many years and he, even as he talks about in the book and, and he's talked about also in interviews, he actually uh, convinced Jack Canfield, the other co-author of Chicken Soup of the Soul, to tithe the <clears throat> profits of Chicken Soup of the Soul uh, back to, you know, spiritual and other organizations that, you know, support the things that he and Jack believe in. What One of the things that I think is really important about that practice is he actually has, cre- along with Jack, created a juggernaut of a system. The Chicken Soup of the Soul ha- has been translated. I mean, the various books, it has to be about 100 of those books. And they've been translated in multiple languages. They've had TV shows on channels. They've had movies, etc. So he believes, partially, besides it being good content, that by practicing the spiritual principles, he's actually blessed and anointed the work that he's doing. And it's a it's an interesting way of looking at it because many times we don't actually talk about how often people get results from giving. Now, getting to the book, chapter four is To Whom Do I Tithe? And I think this is an important chapter. And he gives some uh, his own opinions about some things I'm going to going to give mine, and we'll go from there. So 
He starts off on page 77. I just heard about tithing. To whom should I give? So he started off this process by uh, saying that when he first wrote the miracle of tithing, the original version, this is the second edition, he says, send it to the place where you receive your spiritual food. And then he said in the second paragraph, I still firmly believe that your spiritual organization of choice is a perfect selection for your tithing purpose as it serves you and greatly serves others. So that's his primary position. And I would say that's my primary position as well, that the place to whom you get your spiritual food is the place the way it should work. And we have to be really mindful of it, because if not, what can end up happening is we can, you know, become very unconscious about supporting that which has supported us. More importantly, as he mentions later in this chapter, it allows us to pay it forward, allow somebody else to get blessed in the way that we've been blessed by a spiritual community organization or leader that has helped you develop spiritually, grow emotionally, develop intellectually, help you with your family, you know, through their teachings and through their counsel or through this, through the process of mentor, mentoring or whatever the process is, classes, workshops, sermons, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then he goes on to say, first, if you're not an active participating church attendee, Visit a variety of churches and choose the minister, not the church building, not the denomination, not necessarily what your parents did or what someone else said. Be still and listen to your inner knower. Your inner knower will tell you what is right for you in quiet, in the quiet stillness of your prayer, meditation, and spiritual retreats. So let me just stop there for a moment. So he's giving the option saying, hey, if you have an affinity, this is how I would define this. If you have an affinity to potentially being in a spiritual community, investigate it. And don't investigate it solely based upon church building sizes or the amount of uh, attendees, but what actually is resonating with your soul, which means that before you actually decide on a church or a synagogue or mosque or whatever the various terms for spiritual buildings are or religious buildings, Make sure that you do your own inner prayer work. And that's one of the challenges that happens sometimes. Many times people are swayed by emotion and swayed by the quote unquote sale or even in religion swayed by fear. Now, I believe if you're listening to my show, most likely you're not being swayed by fear because I'm the hardcore metaphysician. I teach hardcore metaphysics. That's what I do. Therefore, I really doubt that if you're listening to my show that you are joining churches because you're scared that God is going to punish you or all the other stuff that sometimes is taught in religion where they have the smackdown God that's always ready to, you know, condemn, punish or hold you um, in what's the word I want to use in 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 torment because of mistakes that have been made. Anyway, moving on. So then Mark Victor Hansen said, choose the minister, priest, or rabbi, or whatever other religious term who leads you to ever greater and deeper spiritual truth, wisdom, and understanding. Again, I'm going to read that again because I think this is really important. He said, choose the minister, 
priest or rabbi who leads you, not your mama, not your husband or wife, not your children, not your best friend, not because you were born into this particular religious community. Choose the minister, priest, rabbi, or I'm adding, or any other religious leader who leads you to ever greater and deeper spiritual truth, wisdom, and understanding. You get to choose. You get to decide. You're empowered to make that choice. So let's just keep that in mind. Then he goes on to say, a great and inspiring teacher or preacher can lead your personal growth, development, and fulfillment to new heights. I'm going to read that again because we're talking about my comrades now. So I want, and it doesn't make a difference if they teach new thought or they teach, you know, Judaism or Islam or Buddhism or whatever. I'm a, I, I have an affinity. I have a soft spot for people who are on the front line, helping people with their lives on a day-to-day basis, helping people get their transformations, helping people get their breakthroughs, et cetera. That matters to me. So I'm going to read it again. A great An inspiring teacher or preacher can lead your personal growth, development, and fulfillment to to new heights. Now, this is really important to me because one of the things that really satisfies my soul and gives me great fulfillment is when people let me know that something I taught helped them get a breakthrough, helped them get fulfillment, helped them reach another level of spiritual or emotional development you know it reminds me of the story when uh when 10 lepers came to jesus asking to be healed and jesus gave them instructions on what to do but the the scriptures say that only one leper came back to say thank you and sometimes that's how things are. Sometimes people get this stuff and they do it. Now, as teachers of, of spiritual principles, we can't get caught up with who comes and who goes because the calling is to just give it. But I can lie and say that it doesn't feel satisfying and fulfilling when people let you know that they appreciate the commitment and the skill set it takes to be a spiritual leader. And when I talk to other ministers across denominational lines and across uh, religious lines, many of them say the same thing. When we see people get breakthroughs because of our work, it is so satisfying. It's sort of like having a small child and seeing their excitement when they open their gift on Christmas and it's the thing they've been wanting the whole time and that sense of fulfillment you get as a parent when you realize that you help them have that experience. So when you see somebody who's been down in the dumps or see someone who's been working through a relationship issue or someone who's been working through fear or somebody who's in career turmoil or somebody who's been having some health issues and you see them on the other end of it and you know that you help them get there 
It feels great to the soul. That's why I always tell people that it doesn't make a difference what part of the work you do. You know, at the church, I always tell people on the staff, it doesn't make a difference if you're the maintenance person. It doesn't make a difference if you're the greeter outside as people are uh, coming in and you're helping them in the parking lot. It doesn't make a difference if you're an usher or a hospitality greeter. It doesn't make a difference if you're working in the bookstore. It doesn't make a difference about the role. You're helping create the experience for people to get breakthroughs. You're helping develop the consciousness for people to get transformation. Because we're in the transformation business. We're in the God awareness business. We're in the healing business. We're in the love and grace business. Therefore, when people get their breakthroughs, it's satisfying to the soul. I'm in Chicago right now. The people who produce this show are in Lee Summit, Missouri, or right outside of it at Unity Village. And the people who are producing or people who are making sure that the buildings and electricity and the computers and, and the background stuff is all done, they allow the option for me to be able to just get on line, speak directly to you without having to think about all of those things. That's ministry. That's service. So for us, it makes a difference. And hopefully that the people who are spiritual teachers who might listen to this show, you might, you know, just think about it in an honest moment. Again, we're not seeking it, but it feels good to see those breakthroughs and when people come back and say thank you. So I'm going to read it again. A great and inspiring teacher or preacher can lead your personal growth, development, and fulfillment to new heights. Now, here's the thing about a great and inspiring teacher or preacher. You might, at one point or another in your growth, surpass them. And they can still be your coach, quote-unquote. Phil Jackson was not a better basketball player than Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal. But he was able to help them reach new heights of personal growth, development, and fulfillment. So even though he wasn't a better basketball coach, in the area, I mean, not coach, excuse me, basketball player, because he was an NBA player for 10 years, his ability to connect and help them develop what was in them, the latent talent and abilities that were in those great Hall of Fame basketball players, allowed them to become champions many times over. So the book goes on to say, once you've located your spiritual mentor, support him and her financially, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. It's important. Again, this is this is my my podcast today where I'm supporting all of the people that's out in the field. Now, why is it important that this part is taught? It's because many times the people who give the most to society, we discard and disregard quickly. Sometimes, you know, we'll say, well, that person is a minister or a priest or, or a rabbi or an iman or a guru. 
or monk, they're supposed to do that. And yeah, okay. But that doesn't mean that the responsibility of supporting that which supports you doesn't need to be met. And I know sometimes these are hard conversations because nobody wants to have them. But people will go into a place and, and you know, I'm, I'm the guy who walks around this gigantic church at, called Christ Universal Temple turning off the lights. And I jokingly tell people as I walk past and I see a light on, I say, hey, when you see lights on, turn them off. Jesus doesn't pay the light bill. ComEd doesn't care about, which is the light bill company in Illinois, and I'm sure around most, if not all, of the United States of America. I said, ComEd can't be paid with an affirmation. Why? Why is this important? Let us be responsible for what God has blessed us with in, as far as this organization is concerned and this building and this ministry is concerned. All right, he goes on to say, befriend your spiritual spigot of enlightenment, in other words, faucet, of enlightenment, enlivenment, and enrichment. Attend church and its many activities. Volunteer your assistance. Take classes and go to spiritual retreats, conventions, and growth meetings. Your life will blossom and bloom in new, excuse me, in magnificent new ways. Your life, by what? By getting attached to what feeds you. Now, why is this important? It's important because of a word called immersion. You can't swim, you can't learn to swim only by watching it on TV. You can't learn to swim by only putting your feet in the water. When people want true transformation, you have to get all in. I think one of the main reasons why people don't get breakthroughs is because they they hit and miss. Okay, I, I, you know, they might read something once in a week and then don't think about it, don't go back to the book or whatever for the rest, you know, for a week or two or whatever. This happens. Or they'll attend a, a seminar for an hour, two hours, and then they you don't know, have a system of applying it. They're not around other people who have, similar beliefs or convictions or goals. So what ends up happening is things start to, um, that, that state of consciousness that they built up by contemplating whatever good that they desire gets lost because there's no system to support it. But when you're around like-minded people, when you're around, uh, uh, you know, in class or in at seminars or if you're volunteering with other people who are serving, who have the heart to serve like you, when you are showing up at the retreats and the conventions and et cetera, when you're listening to Unity Online Radio, you have to throw that in. It helps you maintain the consciousness that you desire for the results you want. It's one of the things that People who study, uh, you know, uh, uh, people, I forgot the term, is it retention or something? The, the term that people use, and it's not popping up in my head right now, that's a term. Well, when people go to jail and they end up going back quickly, one of the things that, that has been studied, at least in Chicago, is many times when people get out of prison or jail, they go back into communities that don't support transformation 
many times they go back to families and actually households that don't support that transformation. So if you've gotten yourself clean in jail and off the alcohol in jail and don't want to go back to crime, then you go back into a community where you move, you go into a house and, and your friends and family all are, are doing what you don't want to do anymore. It takes a strong mind. I'm not saying it's impossible because it is more than possible, but it takes a strong mind to push through all of that. That's why the people who tend to get into spiritual communities and immerse themselves in it tend to be the ones that stick to it. If you go back and the only thing that has changed is you've been gone for a while, it's hard to maintain that breakthrough. The breakdowns will come just because there's space for it. Hopefully that makes sense. So this is one of the benefits of being a part of a spiritual community. It allows immersion or being a part of a transformational community. It allows for immersion. He goes on to say, one final suggestion. Make sure your choice of ministers or spiritual teachers has great plans to do phenomenal amounts of good to benefit all of humanity. If they are on the grow, not on the go. He says, if they are on the grow, you will be also if they're on the grow. So this is one of the things that's kind of funny. Vision carries with it the people who attach themselves to it. I'm going to say that again. Vision carries with it the people who attach themselves to it. So when a spiritual leader or a leader of any kind, it doesn't make a difference because vision is vision. But I'm using this in a spiritual context on the stay in spirit. When a spiritual leader has a strong vision of something and you're attracted to it, you can be carried by the momentum of it because as people start to buy into the vision, and support the vision, it becomes stronger and it develops even more momentum. And through the collective consciousness that is that is supporting the vision and the visionary, you have a tendency to grow. By buying into somebody else's bigger vision, you can discover your own. Don't miss it. By supporting somebody else's greater or larger vision, you can discover your own. Many people have been blessed by attaching themselves to to a, a spiritual leader who, as they grew and expanded, the people that supported them grew and expanded. You know, it's one of the stories of how Christ Universal Temple grew. Reverend Coleman started her church with eight people around her dinner room table. Then from there to renting space at 61st and Cottage Grove in an office building on the third floor. The building's not even there anymore. Then they had to knock a wall out because they outgrew the space that they were in, so they rented the room next to it. She went from there to 
building from scratch the first Unity Church in Chicago. Every other church in Unity had always bought a building that was already used for something else. She built the first build Unity Church in Chicago in the early 60s. And one of the things that was happening was she brought this message to African Americans in the Jim Crow era. For those who live outside of the United States, the Jim Crow era is the era that happened after the after the sl- African Americans were free from slavery, but then all of these laws were put in place to continue to suppress us until the Civil Rights Movement came to help overturn those laws. So she started this church in the Jim Crow era. And through teaching people about the power of God in them, through teaching people about how to work with their consciousness, African-Americans in the Jim Crow era in an extremely segregated Chicago taught people how to uplift their minds, taught them about systematic giving and tithing. And that's why when you bump into the old school people here at CUT, people who were here in the late 50s, here in the 60s, here in the early 70s, they'll tell you to a person, a tither's never broke. They learned the principles from her. And what was interesting is when I talked to them, because that era amazes me. How do you go from eight people to a 3,000 seat church? Actually, it was more than that when we had pews. It's a 3,000 seat church. Now we have theater seats. Uh, to when I showed up in 1993, it was standing room only. And it was probably 33 or whatever with pews. You can put more people in the seats. And it was standing room only. And even when you got to church early, how do you go from eight people to that? Because she was teaching people as she was growing. And as she grew, she grew her people. They grew in consciousness because her growth was pushing them to grow. It looks like I have a person on the call. Is that right? Do I have somebody on? Potentially? Well, anyway. So, I'm, we're about to go on break shortly anyway. But, I think it's important for us to recognize that working these spiritual principles will only, as Reverend Coleman used to say, work if you work them. And it's important for us to recognize that as the spiritual leader is growing, if you're attached to that spiritual leader, their growth will challenge you to grow. Their growth will push you to grow. So if as you're close to them, as they're growing and they're studying and they're doing their spiritual work, through the immersion, you can get the benefit of that growth as well. But you have to do the work. You have to do the work. So if you want to call in, we're about to take this first break shortly. You can call in at 816-251-3555, Uh So, you know, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. 
Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what that Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times. And the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Discover new ways to heal yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Michael Schwartz and Spiritual Naturopathy. Every Monday at 12 p.m. Central, Michael offers a holistic path to healing and guides listeners to new levels of self-awareness, touching on topics like intuition, healing by faith, dream interpretation, and a lot more. Michael explores how to maximize our spiritual gifts and helps us discover how much healing power we really have. Call in with your questions and comments every Monday here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We have a caller on the line. Uh, Kay. Kay, are you there? Yes, I am here. Hi there, Kay. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Reverend Galen? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Do you have a question or a comment? I have a comment. Okay. Um, as 
prior to being a member of uh, Christ Universal Temple for years, um, the basic truth temp- um, principles that Johnny, Reverend Johnny Coleman taught us from when I was 11 have just been ingrained. Have I practiced them all the time? No. It, it's interesting, even when we call ourselves truth students, in the midst of the storm, we go, we get paralyzed and forget all the basic teachings and foundations that we receive. Um, I did learn that about energy and about how we as people, as I create an identity based on our ability to take care of ourselves and and provide for our own basic needs. And when we're unable to do that through whatever circumstances or the universe challenges, it rocks our whole foundation about who we are and what we can do. However, when you have teachings from a great um, institution like Christ Universal Temple or whatever uh, institution you get your truth principles from that reminds you who you are and where you come from, you surround yourself with um, people who are put in place to help you to remind you when you forget. Um, many times in my life, I've been financially just in a, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? And I, when I look back, when I tie, that's when the energy started to flow back in. I mean, I was praying, affirming, and doing everything, listening to the book, but it wasn't until I started tithing that the energy started to flow back in. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I've been where I've had literally a dollar in change in my pocket, and I went into church. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was embarrassed just to, just to put that amount in, but it, it's all that I had, you know. But mm-hmm. it did open that flow back up. And it even if it wasn't through tithing to a church, I saw someone who was in need that I needed that had less than what I had. As uh, you know, the people that are on the street asking for for help. If I had a dollar or two in my pocket, just open the window and give it to them, and then all of a sudden something fabulous will happen to me out of nowhere. They'll call me and ask me, "Hey, I need your services for photography, or I need this, but hey, we'll pay you to do." You know, so the money will start flowing back in. But like I said, just to wrap this up, the energy of money includes tithing. It, it, it means circulating that energy so that it flows back into you. Money is energy. And if you're having financial challenges, that you've got to start that energy back flowing. And I know when it looks bleak that you're like, how can I? I don't have any money to do that. You can tithe in other ways. Just get that energy of giving and receiving flowing. Just keep it flowing, and it'll work for you. That's my comment. Well, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful testimony because it's nothing like hearing the listeners actually say, this is what I've learned, and when I do it, it works if you work it. So that's beautiful. Thank you for calling in. Much appreciated, okay? You're welcome. Have a great day. Go Bears. All right. Go Bears. Take care. (laughs) So, you know, again, if you want to call in, you can call in at uh, 816-251. 3555 816 251 3555 
I also want to, before I get back into the book, also want to remind you that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give. Part of what I've been talking about today. You can go to Unity Online Radio's website, unity.fm. It's just a quick way to get there, or unityonlineradio.org or something. But I just use unity.fm because it's easy for me to remember. And it will take you to the website, and you can click on the Donate button and help support this online ministry. I realize some of you all listen to this via uh, iTunes podcast or Stitcher or through other various websites. I've discovered that these people take these podcasts and put them all over the place. So you might not be going to the Unity Online Radio website, but but we are requesting that you support this online ministry because – we want to be a bigger stand in the world for the world's spiritual transformation. Also, be reminded that this show has a Facebook page. It's called Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page, give it a five-star rating, and write a positive review. That is my request. Please do it. The show is also, as I mentioned earlier, on iTunes Podcasts. And Stitcher, Stitcher is an Android app. Therefore, I'm requesting yet again that you give either on iTunes podcast or on Stitcher, give this show a five star rating and write a positive review. When you do all these things, it helps with the algorithms. You know, I'm not a I'm not a techie person, but I will say that I recognize that the more times you have people writing reviews and liking something, et cetera, it pushes it up front. And in front of people, people who have an affinity for these type of things, it puts them right. It puts the information right in front, just like Google. If enough people are Googling something. So if you like typed in truth transforms on Google, my show pops up first, even though there's actually a ministry out there somewhere called truth transforms. But because of you, the listeners, when you Google truth transforms, this show pops up first. And that's a testament to you all saying that this show has value. So that's important. All right. Now, what was the other thing I wanted to mention? It was something else. Oh, yes. Uh, I I wanted to uh, remind you yet again that uh, Christ Universal Temple is coming up on its 62nd anniversary next month. Therefore, we have uh, a couple of guest speakers. We have uh, one of the Unity Online radio host May McCarthy coming in on October 6th to do a Path to Wealth uh, workshop from 12 to 2.30 and she's also speaking on Sunday morning from 10.30 to 12 October 7th. Uh, We have uh, Reverend Charles Taylor coming from Miami, the Universal Truth Center in Miami Gardens actually on October 21st and we're having a choir concert on October 28th. You don't want to miss the choir concert. It's the best thing going. Our temple ensemble musicians, etc. Two hours of just absolute fabulous music. Also want to let you all know that I will be at Renaissance Unity in Warren, Michigan, which is right outside of Detroit, Michigan, this Sunday. So if you have an opportunity and you're in the Detroit area, please stop by and check me out or let somebody know that I'll be there. Renaissance Unity, I believe, is on 11 Mile Road, and I'm going to be speaking about breakthrough faith. So if you want to, you or somebody you know needs to hear about breakthrough faith, check it out. They also have they also live stream their 
their um, service via Facebook. If you go to Renaissance Unity Facebook page, the service starts at 10 a.m. Central, I mean, not Central Time, Eastern Time. Therefore, if you are not in the area, you can watch the lesson. Finally, uh, again, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks because it's coming down the pike, and I just want you all to know that I am going to have some work where I'm going to be doing some coaching and things of that nature. So be on the lookout for it. I'm still in the planning, but it, it's soon because I've been getting a lot of requests from listeners saying, hey, how come you don't work with people individually? <laughs> so I'm trying to see how that can work within the context of what I already have on my plate. All right. Back to the book. So he goes on to say on page 78, I believe the entire universe is God's church. Can I tithe to a nonprofit organizational foundation? So he says that in so much in so far, rather, as God is omnipresent throughout the universe and in so far that he he uses God, he a lot commanded us to be stewards of the creation he's provided for us. It's, it's better to give to nonprofit organizations and foundations than to not give at all. Giving is giving. Jesus said giving it will be given to you. Jesus did not say where to give, but that giving of itself is the gift. So he says, where's your passion? What do you love more than anything on this created planet? So he starts talking about tithing in non-traditional ways. In other words, people who are passionate about things that they really believe in. And that's not tithing in a traditional sense, because tithing really is the 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 systematic way of practicing the law of giving and receiving through giving the 10% back to the spiritual organization that supports you. But there are times and circumstances where people really don't, um, or not don't, aren't connected to any type of spiritual organization, then what? So as our listener Kay mentioned earlier, you know, she's found ways to make sure that she's always in the practice of giving because that opens up the flow. So he gives examples through the book of, of people who have found other ways to give. All right. It goes on to say on page 80, can I give to the hungry and the poor the tithe? If I get to relatives of need, is it a tithe? So he says, I just asked you, to, uh, he says, Jesus said that what you have done to the least of my children, you've done unto me. Therefore, it is good to aid and assist the hungry and the poor in need. I just ask you to use one measuring stick against this. Are you giving them a hand out or a hand up? If you're giving them a hand out, I don't believe this is a tithe. He's teaching what he believes. While it helps that them in the short term, in many cases, is not acted upon as a seed that primes the flow of abundance in their lives. It is instead allowing them to stay at the same level of codependence for a longer period of time. So I'll let your what I tell people when it comes to those type of things is simple. Well, first of all, you know, my position about tithing is rather simple. It's giving back to the spiritual organization or leader or church, synagogue, mosque, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that gives you your spiritual support. So I'm pretty clear about how I define a tithe. He's expanding it because there are people who have alternative dynamics. I believe if you're helping somebody, that's helping them. Because I'm a proponent of the spiritual uh, aspects of the tithe. That's me. What I always tell people to do is this, and I think this is so important. One of the statements of faith that we have in, in the Universal Foundation for Better Living is we believe that learning to listen to the whisperings of the still small voice will ensure that you are guided into right action. People want hard and fast rules instead of saying, let me turn within to the indwelling God. 
get still and get counsel because for you that will be right now, i can't can't say that your answer is the right answer for me but i can say that if you can practice systematically transcending your ego you will get answers when people come to me as a minister and they're in a panic and they're, they're upset or things aren't going right one of the first things I have to do is let's stop and pray. And I pray in a way that helps them center themselves so they can, first of all, hear what God is saying in them. Secondly, the counsel that I can give as a minister. All right. Now, notice I said counsel and not advice, but that's ministers don't give advice. We give counsel anyway. Then he says, a hand up is a different matter. And then he started talking about paying it forward. And what is a paying it forward mentality? You know, looking at ways in which you can help somebody um, in ways that you feel as though will help them go forward. Now, again, I'm not here to make that judgment call for you. What I'm saying is turn within. For me, a tie is to your spiritual organization. That's for me. Or to leader, leaders, teachers organizations, et cetera. But I understand the ask from where I understand his position because what he's saying is there are people who aren't connected to those things. What do they do? Well, there's things that people are really passionate about. So they give to those things. And I believe that the law is giving and receiving tithing is a practice. The question comes into play is, can you transcend yourself to give? Because a lot of times people who are, uh, in situations and circumstances when it comes to challenges around money um, isn't always just based upon what is and what isn't. Sometimes it's based upon emotions. Sometimes it's based upon lack of preparation. What do I mean by that? Uh, You know, in New Thought, we don't teach rainy day, but I do, you know, Charles Fillmore used the term, I believe, opportunity fund. I'm trying to remember the term he used. But whatever term you call it, There are going to be times when you're not going to see something coming and you better be prepared for it or it can knock you off your saddle. You just won't see it coming. So part of if 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 you're systematically tithing, as I said in one of the previous shows, one of the things that will help you do is organize the other 90 percent. But the 10% has a way of expanding the other 90. Because because when you tithe, what you're really saying is, I'm putting God first with my money. Really allow that to land. Most of the time, we put, you know, bills first with our money. And then our wants first with our money sometimes people put their addictions first in their money they got to have the new items or their alcohol or their drugs or their gambling and i've seen people who have put themselves in horrible positions because of gambling or they put themselves in horrible positions because they haven't used wisdom around their money and other individuals people leeching off them or manipulating them uh you know you know Growing up on, on on in Chicago, I've seen my fair share of of women and men who 
have had people around them that were not necessarily for the highest good. And not only were their emotions challenged, but sometimes their money. Uh, you know, I, you know, I was thinking of back uh, somebody that I knew who anytime he wanted to get something new, he always got it in the girlfriend's name. And then the car would get wrecked. The apartment would get compromised and the rent is not getting paid and whatever. And none of this stuff was ever in his name. So when you put God first with your money, one of the things that will make you do is put God first with in other areas of your life because it creates the conditioning to put God first. All right. Back to the book. He says, if possible, help them talk about giving to people, help them learn the principles so they can help themselves. Now, I realize everybody's not there. I would love if everybody was there. The people who we wanted to help were just open to being helped. But figure out ways in which you can help people. He talks about in this book how a guy was helped by the somebody, uh, I mean, helped by Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, by the way, which I'm teaching beginning next week for nine weeks in the Johnny Coleman Institute in Chicago. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. until 8 p.m., we're going to be teaching a nine-week part one of Think and Grow Rich because the book is so thick. I don't want to rush through it. And I want people to get real massive demonstrations from teaching from the practice of this book. Therefore, I don't want to rush it. So I'm going to be leaning on people to actually really put the principles into action and then getting demonstrable results. In other words, not I just feel better. Like I, I said I was going to do this. I applied these principles. I took these actions. I got these results. We're going back to old school new thought where we look at it as a science. And is and a science is demonstrable. A science is a science can be validated. It's not just perception. It's results. All right, back to the book. Number two, he says, while your finances will always help the poor in need, remember that you can also tie your time and service to helping them get back on track. Now, but he also says, don't give your tithe and service as an excuse not to give your money. But I'm a big believer in volunteerism. I believe volunteerism is one of the greatest ways in which you can give back to life. If you're currently not uh, showing up to volunteer to something, then evaluate it. There are times when I go and I just connect with other things and people to volunteer or give something away because I work in a church environment. Um, I have to be mindful that that's not volunteerism. So sometimes I'll go do something that's not connected to CUT just to keep my mind in the flow that I have to give. It's important. You know, I'll go to the local alderman's office and, and do an hour and a half seminar on leadership and and how to change culture as a giveaway just to make sure that I stay in the flow because I don't want to be in a space to to where everything is exchange. I want to be in the space to where I'm open to blessing people in ways that they they didn't know they were going to receive. And I'm open to being blessed in ways that I didn't know I was going to receive. But to keep that grace apparent and expressing, I have to keep 
myself in the flow. All right. He goes on to say, does putting money away uh, for your child's future education count? No, that's not a tithe. He says, I have very little income. Can I tithe service instead? Give your service. But as our caller said, stated earlier, even if it's the widow's might, this is one of the reasons why that story is in the New Testament. The widow didn't have much, but she was abundant. And one of the very few people who who it is recorded that Jesus acknowledged in the Gospels. Because when you don't have much and you're willing to say here, then you're putting your faith in that which is higher than you. It opens you up to a higher flow. I'm not talking about making silly decisions like, you know, going to the casino and and gambling your your pay your paycheck away. I'm not talking that's not giving. <laughs> anyway, that's and it's definitely not tithing. All right. So he says two words of caution when you commit to tithing your service. Number one, make it a solid commitment. He says, decide exactly what you will do. Write it down and stick to it. Don't use service as an excuse not to tithe income. Two, every year increase the amount of service just as you would a money tithe from increased income. Mm, I love that. All right. I'm jumping a few pages. Uh, actually, it's only a few more pages left. He says something in this chapter, and I jumped over it unintentionally, where he was talking about believing that um God gives us problems to overcome them. I don't believe that at all. I believe that we draw situations and circumstances to us based upon what our souls need to grow and evolve. One, two, also based upon the thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, feelings, the things that we hold individually and collectively. And because, you know, this is universal cause and effect, sometimes what we call the breakdowns and catastrophes are because we are prepared. Jesus taught this in the parable of the 10 virgins. He said that there were five virgins who had oil in their lamps, extra oil, and there are others who didn't bring extra oil. And this was talking about traditions, old Hebrew traditions that I don't want to get into the details of, but they were waiting for the potential of a man selecting them to be married. So when it came time to go, the five who had oil in their lamps because they brought extra were able to get up and go into the party where the people were selecting brides. The ones who didn't couldn't go. And they asked the people, the women who had the five wise virgins who had extra oil for some of their oil and said, no, you should have been prepared. What that story was telling us is there are times in life where our lack of of preparation and future insight creates the catastrophe of today. So what ends up happening is you create emergencies through lack of understanding about what needs to be done. So, for instance, if a person is consistently, you know, not taking care of their body, they don't exercise, they're overweight, their diet is horrible, etc. They're potentially courting a physical challenge that could be very difficult. 
if a person spends every dollar and doesn't save, doesn't give, doesn't control their bills, uh, creating debt and credit cards and all this other stuff, and and every time they get a pay increase, they increase their expenses. Therefore, it doesn't make a difference how much money they make. They're in the same position that they were 10 years ago, even though they've gotten raises and other forms of income. What ends up happening is it will find them sooner or later. It's one of the reasons why, you know, you know, outside of the theology stuff, I love Dave Ramsey's financial piece, university stuff and total money makeover and all of that stuff. Maybe one day I might do some of that on the show because I think it's important to get systematic about money. Because when you become systematic about money, you keep yourself from having breakdowns turn into catastrophes. When you're prepared for whatever might come, it makes a difference. So we need to learn how to systematically give. We need to know how to systematically save. We need to learn how to systematically invest and then live off the rest. And I know that says a lot, but it works if you work it. So uh, I've run out of time. Next week, we're going to do the last chapter of this book, and then I'll announce the next series next week. So God bless you all. Love you all. Thank you for your love and support. I appreciate all of you. Take care. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.